0: Ezekiel thirty-seven. A lot of y'all are familiar with this, or some of y'all. Let me say, I I don't want to assume, but uh, I know most people are, are good, better people are familiar with what's known as the the story of the Valley of Dry Bones. It's actually a vision that the prophet Ezekiel had, and so we're going to be looking at this as our main text this morning to start off. Ezekiel thirty-seven, beginning in verse one. I am going to read all the way up through verse fourteen. It says this: The Lord took hold of me. This is Ezekiel speaking, and I was carried away by the spirit of the of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he asked me, son of man, can these bones become living people again? O oh, sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. Then he said, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am going to put my put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke this message just as he told me. Suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones. Then skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had... No breath in them. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the winds, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me, and breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood up on their feet. A great army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. This is a representation. This is a vision. Remember they are saying we have become old dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. Anybody ever heard that recently? Therefore, prophesy to them and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Oh, my people, I will open your graves of exile and cause you to rise again. Then I will bring you back to the land of Israel. When this happens, oh, my people, you will know that I am the Lord. I will put my spirit in you and you will live again and return home to your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done what I said. Yes, the Lord has spoken. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you have spoken. You've spoken through your written word. Now, Lord, I pray you would speak through a rhema word today by the power of the Holy Spirit. May your word be illuminated to us. May we see what it is, Holy Spirit, you want us to see and hear what we need to hear. Most importantly, the grace to apply this to our lives. Lord God, I pray for impartation today of your word and your spirit. Help me, Holy Ghost, as I preach this message today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. At the beginning of Ezekiel's ministry, the Spirit transported him to sit among the discouraged exiles at a canal. And then later the Spirit took him in visions to Jerusalem, then to the temple gate, and then back to Babylon. So now the Spirit brought Ezekiel in a vision to a valley filled with many bones that were scattered on the ground. The Lord told Ezekiel to walk around these bones and to examine them, so to speak, to see how many there were and to see just as dried out as they were because they weren't like, like, like newly uh, uh, deceased people. The prophet must have been wondering why the Lord gave him this vision. The Lord's question to him gave him the answer. The Lord asked him, can these bones live or can they become living people again? And from a human point of view, of course, there was no way But we know with God, all things are possible, right? So Ezekiel's reply when he said, God, only you know, it wasn't an, uh, 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 he didn't question the power of God. It only expressed the prophet's conviction that God knew what he was going to do and that God was able to do it. See, today, I think there's still a lot of people, uh, not I think, I know there's still a lot of people in our community, state and nation, and even some Christians that feel unsettled and even unsure of the state of our nation and even our society. Even though we've turned the corner on COVID, I still see that, that, that are people that, that feel maybe hopeless and despair, are. you'll see it again, you saw it this week, are fearful. People are making decisions based on fear. We saw it happen again this week. A pipeline goes down for a few days, and the term panic buying came up in the news again. I had never heard the term panic buying before last year, when the whole toilet paper fiasco started. Remember that? They termed the they they, they coined the term panic buying, and then it happened again with gas, oh, uh, th- just uh, just last week. Not necessarily in our state, but the further you moved up towards the southern state east coast, there were panic buying. You probably saw videos and probably even memes online. FYI, a grocery bag is not a good container to pour gasoline in, if you're wondering, okay? Even though I'm making a little joke about it, I'm being very serious. You can see the state of our society. When something upsets the apple cart a little bit, people start freaking out. I don't know what the Greek word for freaking out is, but I'm going to just use it. Isn't that right? You can see there's still an unsettling. There, there's a, it's, people are living their life either fear-based or and still feeling maybe in despair because of our economy or or, or or maybe policies that are that are being uh, uh, written into law right now or what's what's projected. See the scene of the valley of jaw bones was symbolic of the attitude of Israel at the time. their hopes for themselves were dead, dismembered uh, and desiccated so listen if, if if you listen to 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 all the negative news. Half truths or most of it's not true on social media and you're not mindful and prayerful even as a bible believing christian you may start feeling like the people in israel in verse 11 when they said we have become old dry bones all hope is gone our nation is finished i've heard people say that that is a hopeless statement right they say all hope is gone our nation is finished you may feel like that today or in the future, if you're not mindful, of prayer, as I said, about our country, society as a whole, maybe it's not about what's going on out there, but what's going on in here, or in your home. You may feel hopeless in your marriage. You may feel hopeless in your um, in your uh, 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 your relationship with your kids, in your home, in your job, in the workplace. Maybe in your business, maybe, you know, you may feel the state of maybe the economy or a fear for where it go. You may feel hopeless. Is it me or is there's some ringing in the, in the, in the microphone? I kind of hear a little feedback. Appreciate it, Logan. Thank you. Whatever valley you may be in, I want to encourage you today to get God's vision for the valley. Get God's vision for the valley. See, Ezekiel looked at this valley and all it was was dry bones. That's all he could see. But God had a different vision, right? There was a valley full of dry bones, and he told the prophet, "This is what I want you to do to get my vision of what you see. All you see in the natural is 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 death, dryness, impossibilities. But here's what you need to do, man of God, and man and woman of God. Here's what you need to do today. How do you get God's vision for the valley? Well, number one, you need to prophesy to your problems instead of uh, complaining about your problems. You need to prophesy to your problems. Four times in 14 verses right here, the Lord tells Ezekiel to prophesy to the bones in the valley. He said to prophesy to the issue that was going on. Remember, Remember, this is symbolic of what was going on in, in Israel at the time. Ezekiel had prophesied to the mountains in chapter 6 and 36. He prophesied to the forest in chapter 20, and now he's commanded to prophesy to these dead bones. See, the word prophecy in Hebrew doesn't just mean the fulfilling of future events, which it is. That's a big part of it, right? Where a prophet gets a word and, 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 and is spoken over somebody or certain events. But in Hebrew, it also has a focus on encouraging or restoring covenant fulfillness or fulfillment. In other words, prophesying is speaking God's word and will over your situation. That's what he was doing. He, God had a purpose and a plan for Israel. And he said, I want you to prophesy, speak a prophetic word over them that these bones will live again. In other words, I will restore Israel once again. Right? He was speaking God's will and God's word. Now, even in the history, we see it took a long time for that to come to pass. But instead of complaining about it, or, or murmuring, or griping, that's how we say it down here, or, you know, boudain, that's another way we say it down here, why don't we prophesy to our problems? Whether it's on a national level or right there at your kitchen table. Let's begin to prophesy over our problems. Look what Hebrews 4.12 says, because if we, we prophesy the Word of God and the will of God, we know that the Word of God is living and what? Powerful. Church, I think we fall short and we forget this when we're dealing with issues and problems, how powerful the Word of God really is. And when we speak the Word of God, when we prophesy the Word of God, it's living and powerful. But not only... Does it have uh, has life? It imparts life. Look at First Peter one twenty three. For you have been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living Word of God. Right, the very Word of God imparts life into us. We get life, our our, our spiritual life by the word of God. See, God told Ezekiel to speak his word in verse 4, then it's followed by God's promises in verses 5 and 6. Let's look at that again. Ezekiel thirty-seven four. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put my breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. And by the way, when he prophesied the last time about the four winds, that word wind in Hebrew is ruah. And it actually could mean wind, breath, spirit or spirit with a capital S. So he was actually, that's also a prophetic word. It's not just normal breath and wind, but it was actually the Holy Spirit as well that he was prophesying over him. Ezekiel obeyed the command and believed the promise, and the bones came together again, right? An impossible situation, but because he knew it was God's will for this to come forth, and he complied with the command to prophesy, to speak life over those bones, it happened. Maybe you've been going through a personal valley, and you've been speaking the wrong things. Maybe you haven't been prophesying, you've been... You know what? Multiplying your problems. Come on. That's a word for somebody right there. I didn't, I didn't say that in the first service. You're not prophesying. You're multiplying your problems by what you're speaking. Because we know life and death is in the power of the tongue. And we will eat of its fruit. So if you're speaking death over your circumstances, it's going to get worse. If you're speaking, if you're prophesying the will and word of God, look, it might not turn around. Right away, again, this took years and years for, for what, what he saw in this vision to come to pass. But I tell you what, it's what we need to be doing, right? Look what Romans 4.17 says. We're created in the image of God. Think about that as you read this. God is the one who causes dead people to become alive again. He speaks about things that are not there, not yet there, as though they were already there, right? Call those things that are not as though they were. That's prophesying, y'all. We have been given an example by Jesus. We saw Jesus spoke the word to the enemy multiple times as he and He's speaking the word and we're commanded to do this, right? It's commanded. Remember, it's speaking God's will and word over a situation. We saw this again. I saw it firsthand on Wednesday night, right about right here. Wednesday night, there was a lady that came to service. At the end of service, she came down. She was real broken, real dejected and said she had some issues. She had uh Physical issues in her body, both cancer uh, and other things going on in her life. And she was so broken. And she told my wife and I, she said, you know, people continue to make me feel like uh, that I don't matter. That I don't matter, that I'm, I'm not worthy. And something along those lines. And she was just so broken, she was crying. So I begin to prophesy. You know how I begin to prophesy over her? I begin to tell her what the Bible says about her. I said, no, listen, you know what? You do matter because God created you and Jesus died for you. So you do matter. God has a plan, a purpose. God's a miracle-working God. He can heal your body. I just begin to speak life in the Word and faith over her. And my wife came by. She did the same thing, gave her a Bible. We actually prayed to lead her to Christ. We prayed for her. Sherry, one of our uh, uh, the, the leaders in CR, came, and we just loved on her and prayed over her. And you know what, man? After we were done, man, her countenance changed. She walked in here broken and crying. She left here smiling and thanking us. Amen? Now listen, I know she got a long journey. I even got some updates from her from this weekend. And she's still got some things she's going to have to walk through and go through, no doubt. But I'm just telling you, when you prophesy, when you speak to those problems, we could have just stayed in the mud with her and said, oh man, I'm sorry, that, that's bad. But no, 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 no. We wanted to let her know this is the will and word of God for your life. And when you do that, things change. The Lord is capable of raising to life those who are physically, spiritually, and emotionally dead, and he can restore to life destroyed families, communities, economies, amen? All of it, amen. So listen, let's not be plagued with the problems around us. Let's start prophesying to them according to God's will and word, amen? Stop being plagued with your problems and start prophesying to your problems. Number two, We need to pray for all people. I'm gonna turn the corner here. Still looking. I'm gonna give you, but we need to pray for all people. If you want to see the valley around you change, church, I'm still hearing that ringing. Logan, if you got a minute to still trying, bud. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. We need to, we need to start praying for those around us. Look at first Timothy 2, 1 and 4. I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help intercede on their behalf. Give thanks for them pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and understand the truth. Now church, if we're a believing church, if we're a Bible-believing church, a church that walks with the Lord, we need to pray and pray for all people. He says, I urge you. This, this wording in the original language indicates and shows the importance and priority of prayer. And the apostle Paul is saying specifically for all people, everyone, everyone. Next, it says all people. Does it say pray for some people? Does it say pray for people you like? Does it say pray for people that go to church with you? Does it say pray for people in your political party? No. Does it say pray for people you agree with? What does it say? All people. It says pray for all people, everyone. And God gives us, and I'm going to show you the reason why, because his heart's for every man to get saved, every man, woman, and child. It goes on to say intercede on their behalf, because some people don't know the Lord. And they're hard as stone. But you know what? We see that back to our story with Ezekiel. These were dead, dry bones. They couldn't do anything for themselves. So what did Ezekiel have to do? He had to prophesy on their behalf. Because they couldn't have did it on their own. Symbolic of Israel. Israel was in a bad place. So you know what? He had Ezekiel, in a sense, intercede. He prophesied and spoke God's word and will over their lives. We need to intercede for people even when it seems like it's impossible for them to ever change. Sometimes you think, man, that person ain't never going to change. They, they never, Their mindset, they're so stubborn. But you know what? We don't know that. We don't know that. How do we not know if we keep praying for them, we may be the agent that changes and transforms their heart, right? Those bones seem like it was impossible to come back to life, but they did, Right? The Lord wants us to pray for those who seem spiritually or are spiritually dead to come alive in Christ. Look at 1 Timothy 2, 3, and 4 again. This is good and pleases God our Savior. Let me pause right there. Doug, you can stop it right there. If you want to know it pleases the heart of God, pray for everybody. Pray for the person you can't stand the most. Some of you just had an image in your head right there. The person that irks you, aggravates you, makes you the most frustrated. When you pray for that person, that pleases the heart of God. That's what my Bible says. And why does it please them when we pray for those people? Because God wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. Now the next one is going to be the hardest for some of you in here. Some people. 1 Timothy 2 2 says this, pray this way for kings and all those who are in authority. I had about one amen in the first service, two right there. Paul urged the church especially to pray for those in authority. Again, specifically, you got to remember, Nero, who was a ruthless and godless emperor, was on the throne at the time Paul wrote this letter to the church, and yet he commanded. The, the believers to still pray for them you're like yeah but man these people these politicians man they wicked man they doing and they 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 got some horrible things it's nothing compared to what they were going through when Paul wrote this Nero was killing them persecuting them throwing them to the, I mean the one of the most ruthless emperors uh, in Romans history was on the throne at the time and still now you can tell that's why Paul said I urge you because I know it ain't easy he had to urge them to pray for these people because those kings and those in authority at the time, because of how they were persecuting, how godless and ruthless they were. But listen, even if we can't respect the men or women in authority, we must respect their office and pray for them. We still got to respect the office. You want to see a different God's vision for the valley? The valley's only going to get deeper if we jump on everybody else's bandwagon and come for them people, which I'm going to get to in my last point, by the way, a little preview. Listen, a few years back, had a good friend of mine that tell me, told me something that he saw on Facebook. And this was actually quite a few years ago. It was like two administrations ago. And, and, and this, there was a Christian on, on, online that was tearing up the president at the time and just kept criticizing and kept, you know, just. And, and my friend who didn't vote for this president but was a believer and understood the scripture commented and said, hey, why don't we pray for him? And you know what the God's reply was? He said, I will pray that his days are short on the earth. How many of y'all know that's not the kind of prayer that God wants us to pray for? So and y'all, think about that. I always look at it as being a witness. Like if people that are online know this guy's a believer and they've seen him saying, I'm going to pray that his days are short. Is that is that the kind of prayer God said that he wants us to pray? What does he say he wants us to pray? That they would understand the truth and get saved. If this dude's days are shortened and he's not saved, he's going to spend eternity in hell. We need to pray that they understand the truth, that God softens their heart. I'm a, we just said that's, that's God's heart behind it in verse 3 and 4. There's one more thing in this passage that it says I want to point out. 1 Timothy 2.2, 2, pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. You know the word "peaceful" refers to a calm attitude within us. You know, when, when when we're doing the opposite of praying for people and we're being critical and chopping people up, the, do you ever have peace when you do that? You ever have peace when you're arguing with people and when you're making fun of or just that? No. So it says when we pray for others. See, listen. Let me say this: when you pray for somebody, you don't always see the change right away, but you begin to change. That person may take them decades, and you may not even see them change before you, you, you hit the grave, but something will change in you. You can't pray for somebody with a true heart and not be changed on the inside. If you somebody you can't stand, somebody you didn't vote for, or somebody that you don't agree with, on any level, if you begin to pray for somebody and ask God to truly save them and help them, your heart's going to change. And guess what? You'll begin to have peace. They can fight, kick, scream, cuss, do whatever they want. But if you begin to pray for him with the heart of God, the Bible says we can live peaceful lives. That word refers to what's going on inside. Quiet refers to circumstances around us. So the results of prayer should be lives that are marked with godliness and an honorable life. We should live godly, honorable lives. And again, in in what we pray and how we pray, right? That's what the Bible is commanding us to do. See, we see the opposite happening because there's so much complaining, criticalness, and slandering going on in our society, online, and even amongst believers. Even amongst us, we're not seeing quietness and peacefulness online and and, and in circles because instead of praying, we're doing the opposite, which leads to my last point. Stop slandering and quit quarreling. Stop slandering quick quality. I'm getting all these points straight from the scripture. Look at Titus 3, 1 and 2. Remind the believers. Let me pause. Just like he says, I urge you. Remind the believers. So this is obviously something Paul had already told Titus to tell the church to do. Now he's trying to remind them because they must have still been doing it. Right? Remind the believers to submit to the government and its officers. They should be obedient and always ready to do good. Look what it says. They must not slander anyone everybody say anyone anyone and must avoid quarreling instead they should be gentle and show true humility to everyone paul's talking to the church here y'all and i believe he's still talking to us today we as a body need to stop slandering and quit quarreling with people if we want to get a different vision for the valley we need to say, what if Ezekiel would have said, well, Lord, I don't want to prophesy to them bones. Them people might have been pagans. Or it might have been, some scholars believe it might have been symbolic of old Israelite armies that had got killed in the battlefield. What if he said, well, they didn't fight hard enough. Or they they must have had sin in their life. I don't want, he didn't do any of that. He didn't quarrel or slander the people he was trying to speak life to. He just did what the Lord commanded. And prophesied over the situation in the valley. This actually is the scripture church that actually spurred this message for me. I was talking to me and Cassidy, talking to Sister Marie, and this is the, the verse I was mentioning, Uh, that I actually was in my daily time last week, and when I read this, the Lord just dropped it in me to preach this message, and it, it took me on a journey to, to be where we are today. And I believe that th- this is this is a timely word. I believe we need to hear that. I, I'm here to to hopefully stir you up and to challenge you today, and I had a couple people Come up to me after. It's like, man, I needed to hear that. That's what I've been doing, and 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 I hope that today the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. See, in this passage, the Apostle Paul is focusing on the relationship of the Christian community with society as a whole. He makes it clear that believers, as believers, we should not have a bad attitude towards the government or anyone else. You notice it said that don't quarrel with anyone. I mean, we shouldn't be fighting in the church. That should be a given, right? Which that don't even happen all the time. But especially those that we disagree with, that, that, that we don't like, that, that, that are coming against us. I get it. You know, it, it's hard sometimes when people are coming for you like, man, I'm minding my own business. But they keep coming for me. I get it. I understand. That's why he says avoid quarreling. Sometimes you're not looking for it, but they try to drag you into it. And he says you still have to avoid it. It says we must not make slanderous accusations, quarrel, fight, or be contentious with those we don't agree with. You know, I've just heard so much and read so much slandering and quarreling online, on talk radio, that, man, it's like I don't even want to go to those places anymore. It's like I don't want to go on social media anymore because there's just so much of that, even amongst Christians, and I'm just as guilty as anybody else, by the way. I repented before the first service, and I was, well, I've been caught up in doing the same thing. And I feel like this word is for all of us. Amen? I believe we have to be different, church. We have to be different. The Bible tells us there should be a clear distinction between us as Christ followers and the unruly masses around us. The Bible says, come out from amongst them and be separate. We should not be doing the same thing the world's doing. At all, whether it's sin, ungodliness, unholiness, impurity, slandering, quarreling, we should be different. We should be lights and leaders in our community, not just follow the rest of what everybody else is doing. Let's look at verse 2 again. Instead, they should be gentle and show true humility to everyone. I love this. I love the Word of God. I love how it tells you to stop doing something, but here's what you should be doing, right? Right? This is what we should be doing, living with gentleness and in true humility. That word gentle in the original Greek language means an attitude of moderation and a sweet reasonableness. So let me ask you a question. Is this your response when people disagree with you? Is it moderation and a sweet reasonableness? I think that's the first time I ever used that word, by the way. Is that how we respond? If I'm honest with you, that's not how I always respond. I don't always respond with that that gentleness of like, well, you know what, man? Hey, we can agree to disagree. And I know a lot of people struggle with it because people put whatever they want on social media. Right? Like Pastor Todd always said, I know this is tight, but it's right. Now, in order for us to understand what Paul meant by true humility, we need to read the next few verses. Look at uh, Titus 3, verses 3 through 5. Once we too were foolish and disobedient. Which, by the way, he follows it up. So he's saying, hey, whenever you slander and quarrel, you're being foolish and disobedient. FYI. We were misled and became slave to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of envy and evil, and we hated each other. But when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us not because of the righteous things we've done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, given us a new birth, and new life through the Holy Spirit. See, the Bible commands us to walk in humility. It's fitting considering the state we were in when God's love, kindness, and mercy came to us. See, we don't have to just be gentle to those who are gentle with us. You know what? We were in rebellion to God. We hated God. We didn't want to do what God wanted us to do. And when God came to us, He treated us with tender, loving kindness and mercy. And that's why we are challenged to walk in true humility. We should behave towards others just as God has acted towards us in His loving kindness. So let's stop slandering and quarreling with people who we disagree with and start speaking life and praying for them. Amen? Ties into the first two points. We need to start speaking life, praying for all people, and, and prophesying over our problems, and make a decision today that we're not going to slander other people or quarrel, or fight, avoid it as much as we can. Look, none of us are perfect and start living in gentleness and true humility. When we do this, we will get God's vision for people, our nation, and our personal situations. Amen? So as I close, you know, maybe you haven't been speaking life today. Maybe it's been the opposite. Maybe you've been slandering or, or being critical or arguing with other people. Today, in a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to repent of that. Repentance means to turn away. To say, you know what, Lord, I'm sorry. I've been doing this. And like i got to tell you, look, I'm just as guilty. I, I I prayed and repented with the first service and I will with you too. I, I I've, I've definitely fallen short in this area. Maybe you haven't been praying for our government leaders or people that you don't agree with or people you don't like. Today is a good time to start. Amen. Whether you think so or not, it's a good time to start. Hey, there was a funny real quick. Earlier, in one of these moments where I was just really challenging the congregation, I said, I believe the Lord is speaking to you right now. And everybody got quiet and somebody's phone rang. (laughs) Everybody busted out laughing. I said, hey, if he can't reach you through me, then maybe he'll do it through a phone call. I don't know. But the timing was like perfect, you know. So listen, I want to encourage you. Listen, guys, we don't have to agree with people to pray for them. You don't have to have voted for a person to pray for them. The Bible makes it clear. Pray for all those kings, that's presidents in our day and age, and all government leaders, all those in authority, from our, our police officers to our to, to local government. You don't have to agree. You don't have to line up, but God's heart is for you to pray for. If you want to see change, Make that change happen in your prayer closet. Don't take the social media. Don't pop off about your opinions about it, right? Pray for these people that God would save them, amen? Maybe you're going through a personal valley of some sort. You need to prophesy God's word and will over your problems. And maybe today, the last group of people, maybe you're in the valley of decision. We talked about the valley of the dry bones. The Bible talks about there's some that are in a valley of decision. You haven't made a decision to surrender your life to Christ, but you know that you need to. I want to continue on in Titus 3, 4, and 7. Last scripture I'm gonna read, then we're gonna pray. When God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love, he saved us. How many of y'all are thankful to be saved today? Yeah. Amen. Not because of the righteous things we had done. It's not by works, y'all. We didn't do, we can't go to do enough good things, give enough money, go to church enough. Not because it would anything we've done, but because of His mercy, He washed away our sins, given us new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Christ Jesus our Savior. And listen to this. Because of His grace, He declared us righteous and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. I have a question for you. Those of you that are in here, if today was your last day on this planet, would you be confident you're gonna inherit eternal life? It says that he, he he's given us confidence, and that's through the Holy Spirit. All through the New Testament, the Bible talks about how uh, you know, the 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 Holy Spirit uh seals us for that day of eternity. You know, just today just yesterday, we were at Cassie's grandmother's house, we had a crawfish ball, and uh, Miss Ana, she said, She was telling me that there was a 19-year-old boy that got killed last week, right? Last week, right, Mama? And uh You know, he's in the service, comes home on leave, hits some bad weather, and ends up getting killed. Yeah, I don't go looking for these stories. I hear them every week. I know you do too, right? You read the news like me. So if you're a young person, a teenager, are you confident that if that was you in that car accident, you would be spending eternity? You'd be in eternal life instead of eternal death or separation or damnation, the Bible calls it. Would you do me a favor? Every head bowed, every eye closed. We'll start with this last one. If you said, Brandon, if both today was my last day on earth or if Jesus came back, suddenly the trumpet sounded and we were all out of here, are you confident you're gonna spend eternity with the Lord? The Bible makes it clear when we die, there's only two places, heaven or hell, and we made it clear in this scripture we can't do anything to make it there. It's only by God's mercy and his grace through the Lord Jesus Christ. He died, on, excuse me, he died on the cross for our sins. He took our place and our punishment. But if we believe in him, we repent of our sin, turn away. The Bible says we'll be saved and you can be confident. You can walk out of this building today confident that you'll have eternal life. With every head bowed, every eye closed, please nobody looking around. Out of respect for others and reverence for the Lord. If You say, Brandon... I'm not 100% confident I would spend eternity in the Lord. That's you. Don't even think about Just lift up your hand. You know who you are. You say, Brandon, I'm not confident. I need to be confident today. Hands going up in the middle right here. Anybody else? Anyone else? Over here to my right. Hands still going up. Thank you. Over here to my right. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? To my left over here, ma'am. I see your hand. Thank you. Praise God. Anybody else? If you say, Brandon, at one time I was confident, but you know what? I've slipped. I've I've, I've. I've actually gone away from the Lord. Today, I want to resurrender my life to the Lord. If that's you, just slip up your hand. Say, man, I want to rededicate or resurrender my life to Christ today. Amen. Amen. I see your hand, sir. Well, the Bible says if we believe in our heart, confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, as well as repenting from our sins, that he would save us. So just, I want to lead you in a simple prayer. Just say something like this. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. Lord, I know that I've sinned. And I ask that you would forgive me of my sin. I turn away and I turn to you and make you my Lord and Savior. Now give me the grace and the strength to live for you. And give me your vision for life and for any valley that I'm walking through or may walk through. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Come on, let's celebrate with these this morning. Amen. Hey, if you made that decision, you prayed that prayer for the first time, or first time in time, Town, there's a card in the pew, Says, a uh, connection card, F- fill that card out, bring it to the Info Center, we have a Bible we want to help you in, along in your journey. Hey, why don't you stand up with me, but don't leave yet, please. Stand up, I want to really pray through these. Come on, maybe you've been speaking death over your circumstance, your marriage, your children, your business, your workplace, maybe those in authority, maybe our society, our Come on, we need to start speaking life, amen? We need to start prophesying. Come on, maybe, maybe you've been being critical or slandering and quarreling. One of these two things. I want to take time right now to begin to repent and ask God to forgive us. Can we do that with every head bowed, every eye closed again? You might want to lift up your hands. Come on, we're all going to pray and repent together. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would forgive us. Come on, I'm praying for myself here. I want you to repent right now. If that's been you, if you've been slandering people you know or don't know, or you've been fighting, quarreling with others, instead of speaking life and praying for them, let's repent. Lord, would you forgive us today for, Lord God, doing exactly opposite of what you commanded us to do. We're sorry for slandering quarreling fighting and arguing being critical with people lord i pray in the name of jesus that you would help us lord god we repent we turn away help us to speak life help us to prophesy the truth your will and your word over our circumstances and over our lord god our society and our nation lord in jesus name i pray now maybe today maybe you haven't been praying over our government leaders or any of those in authority come on today's a good day to start amen Okay, come on, we're going to do that together. I'm going to you, lead you in prayer, and let's pray. Father, we pray for all those that are in authority, Lord God. We pray for our, our federal government officials, Lord, our president, the vice president, all the, the cabinet, Lord God, all those in the, the federal, Lord God, uh, level. We pray those that aren't saved that you would save them. Come on, church. That's his heart, that every man would get saved to know the truth. For every single person on the federal level that's not saved, Lord, lift the blinders off of the mind of the unbelievers. Send godly counsel and godly people are Around them, We pray a wall of protection around them and their family. Now let's pray over the state level, Lord. We pray over our governor and our lieutenant governor, our AG, all those, are God, that are in the state level. Save those that need to be saved, Lord. Those that are godly, help them to lead by a godly example. We pray health and wholeness to be upon them In Jesus' name, now we pray for those at the local level, for Mayor Guillory and Mayor Richard here in Scott. We pray, help these men to be led by you and guided by your will and your word. And not by politics or or agendas, Lord, at any level. We pray for those in authority and pray that you would, Lord, soften their hearts, pour out your spirit, use them in a mighty way, Lord God. I pray our hearts would be right before you and others. Help us to be lights and leaders and agents of change with our prayer and our words each and every day. That we would, Lord God, bring glory, honor to you and see many more saved and come into the kingdom. I pray, Lord, you'd help these as they go today. I'm just thinking about... uh, Miss Darla back there. Darla's uh, had a funeral for her son. Let's pray for Darla, Father. We pray over Darla right now. We pray your grace upon her, your peace, and your comfort. Turn her mourning into dancing, sorrow into joy of her and the rest of her children, Lord God, and grandchildren. We thank you, Lord, for these today. Bless these as they go in a mighty way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, God bless y'all. We love y'all. If you need prayer for anything specifically, we'll be down here to pray with you. God bless you. Have a great day. Hey, invite your graduates to come get honored next week.